we're back from the holiday break with another episodes of breakdowns and breakaways you see what i did that kind of pulled it in there a little bit not really plan didn't exactly land land very well but uh a lot's happened in the two I th- weeks i think you might still uh, be a little drunk from thanksgiving break it might be man it's that just might that's just it's gonna be a long show i can't even talk I've been at this studio since nine in the morning and we recorded four. So it's, it's been a long day. Um, and but if, if you're, if you're only listening to this, I, you're not going to see the surprise. Yeah. I brought a, a surprise today from work. So, um, uh, I, I've been working at an ice company, <laughs> which I'm not going to get into the details of how that came about or what all that entails, but, uh, the penguins do, uh, occasionally order sculptures from us for like, uh, big events or whatever it might be. Mm. This sculpture that's sitting right here. So yes, we have a giant frozen penguins <laughs> logo sitting in between us. If you're not watching, the question this. is, does it melt before we finish this show? Uh, I was told in good circumstances when it's fresh, it'll last like eight to 12 hours okay. in like normal room temperature, but okay. this is a year old. And we've already had it sitting out for a little bit. So I would guess we have maybe two hours. I'm actually looking at a little sweat coming down right now. So All right. So the- this is going to be the fastest episode in Breakdowns and Breakaways podcast history, which I'm sure a lot of people are happy about. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's let's talk about this, uh, this stinky power. Yeah, play. so it, a lot's happened in two weeks and I, they're 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 treading water, I think, is the best way to put it. Uh, but the power play, man, uh, the power play. When you think about who is on the power play, right? You, you let, let's let's name some names here: Eric Carlson, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. Just those three alone, you you would hope that a power play with those three guys on it would be top of the top of the league, top you know maybe five teams in the league. They're not that. It's no. not. It's it's really bad. So what? Like, why is the talent not? Why is it not like? transitioning over like what what's the what are what's the issue here what what do you see as the issue um i think an easier question to answer would be what's what's not, not the, issue? the issue so it, yeah is it is it this like i heard i was you know listening to i think it was 32 thoughts with elliot friedman um and jeff merrick and i think that they had mentioned that it's just not enough puck to go around to all these all these scores. I don't see that as the issue because Sid's a playmaker. Carlson's a playmaker. Gino is a scorer, but he's also been a playmaker for his, you know, for, for, I don't see that as the problem. You know, is I honestly, I think it's the opposite. There's nobody willing to pull the trigger all the time. Yeah. For me, the, I, I don't, necessarily buy that there's like too many cooks in the kitchen kind yeah. of thing um first off we've seen crosby malkin Latang do phenomenal things on the power play for right. large stretches of their careers so you know you and and the other thing about it is you see a lot of um like aging stars kind of buoy their production mm-hmm. with power play points mm-hmm. and it's so funny that Malkin and Crosby specifically here over the past year or two have actually been buoying five their production five with stars. five on five points. Yeah. Uh, regardless of that, I like I don't see any reason to believe that you can't have all the talent they have on that top unit. For me, it's the fact that 
it at least seems like they're all trying to appease the players. This is that they're all trying to appease each other and get each other those puck touches and create those pretty goals. We've talked so much about how this team loves to try and pass the puck into the back of the net. Mm -hmm. So I think there is an element of that um, that needs to be discussed and obviously addressed here, but the utter just lack of cohesion, and I'm not even just talking about when they're in the zone, but specifically their breakouts and how they do their quick regroups on changes of possession, um, or especially like those light dumps that really, when the penalty kill is only making it out to like center red. Mm -hmm. um, there's just, there was a there was a point in time, and now I, I legitimately don't even know what they're trying to do on, on some of these power play breakouts, because they they really have not been clean all year um but recently they were trying to emulate what the sharks were doing last year which was uh carlson would, on the breakout carlson would lead the puck up ice through the middle with two guys trailing him on both flanks he would kind of pull up and and pose himself as a threat at center red or the mm -hmm. offensive blue line. And then he'd drop it off to one of those guys and they'd skate it in themselves or they'd hit somebody at the, at the boards at the offensive blue line. Okay. Now the sharks didn't have a lot of talent on that power play. It looked pretty cohesive. Like I, yeah. I went yeah. back and watched um, when the penguins got Carlson, I went back and watched what they were doing on the power play to see if he might help influence some necessary change. And I was looking at it and I was like, okay, I was a little surprised that Carlson wasn't overly involved. Obviously, he was the guy headmanning and breaking the puck out in these instances. Um, but he he wasn't necessarily being relied on to like dangle through all four penalty killers to gain the zone mm -hmm. and get shots off. They had guys like Alex Barabanov executing a sound fundamental scheme or some some kind of drawn up play here that is easily executed on a consistent basis. The Penguins for a stretch of time were trying to emulate what the Sharks were doing last year and they couldn't do it. And they could not do it. Why do you think that is? I mean, like, cause is it, does the skill not translate? Does it, I mean, is it just a different, uh, to me, when I look at a, a good power play, I, I think that the execution is vastly more important than the skill because you have that extra guy on the ice. I don't think that you have to be the most skilled team to have a good power play. It helps. I mean, look at look at Edmonton. It last year for them that they lived and died by their by their power play. So it definitely helps, but I don't think it's the most important thing to have skill at every single like super skill at every single position. Right. Um, is there? I mean, like at what point in time does the coaching staff look at this and shake it up and? and maybe look at taking one of these guys off of the top power play and, and putting someone else in. Um, well, they, they did that, and it didn't last long. Well, no, I, I guess I'm talking about one of... Permanently? Not permanently. I'm talking about one of the top three and putting them down. Well, that that's what happened. They had Malkin on the second power play. It did not last long at all. Because then you're you're looking. You got Vinny Henestrosa up on your top power play. Vinny Henestrosa, like there is. I I agree with what you said, but on the other hand of that, or on the other side of that, Vinny Henestrosa's right. skills. Well, I, not I think it's it. there's with this roster. There's such a steep drop off between the top six and the bottom six that you know that there maybe what I'm suggesting isn't realistically an option because of like they're. I mean, you still need skill. I'm, you know, I don't I'm gonna make that clear. Like I, 
Again, I've been going since 9 a.m. today. My mm. brain's in like eight different places. I, I'm not saying you don't need skill on a power play. What I'm saying is that, you know, maybe it's more execution with that skill than it is, you know, having the best of the best of the best. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. But that still begs the question, why aren't who, these guys who have all this talent who are who are still able to execute in almost every other facet of the game, why are they not executing on the power play? I, I think it's it's pretty... I think it's the the best way to put it is we are sitting here and I'm sounding like an idiot trying to figure out what's wrong with this power play. I mean, that that's, well, I mean, everybody's looked like an idiot at one point or, or another, because like, I, I, I think that I, because they, they shouldn't be this bad. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you're, you know, checking under every rock and you're checking every nook and cranny. And why is it not producing? And I can't give you a good answer. Like I, I'm going, if I try to give you an answer, I'm just going to keep looking more and more like an idiot. Uh, that, that's where I'm at with it. Well, here's the other aspect of this. The, earlier in the season, uh, and obviously the power play hasn't been clicking at all mm -hmm. all year in terms of actually putting the puck in the back of the net. Um, but through the first six, seven games of the season, the power play was actually like there. I would see so many comments about, oh, the power play is just not they're not willing to shoot. They're not shooting enough. Six or seven games in, the Penguins were leading the NHL while on the power play in shots uh, like on a permanent mm. basis, they're leading in shots, shot attempts, and expected goals. And expected goals were by a wide margin. And now, granted, weird things happen. You'll see that in small samples. Um, but you extend that window another three, four games. You go in over to HockeyViz.com where you see all those little heat maps of uh, whether it's offensive, defensive zone, or whatever. I'm sure everybody's familiar. Yeah. I don't know why I'm over-explaining that. Anyway... You go there and you look and it's literally a sea of, oh my God, they're shooting at a high frequency from all of the dangerous areas all the time. The goals have got to be coming. And then I'm like, the goals have got to be coming. The goals have got to be coming. But they never do. They never do. But now they're not getting those shots and they're Is not even creating those chances. So it, at one point it was like, yeah, stick, stick with the process. Maybe it'll come, even though there were some aspects of the process that were still a little sketchy, at least visually. Yeah. But now visually and statistically, it's just awful. Is it coaching? I do remember uh, when I was still on the beat, uh, the Penguins had just played a game out in Arizona. It was like the last game of their road trip, mm -hmm. like after the Winter Classic, and then they went to Vegas. Um, and th they won the game, but the power play didn't have a, a great game, and I it was probably in the midst of one of the power play struggles of last season. And I had asked Sullivan something about the power play, and he basically said he's like, there's an element here of us not wanting to overcoach these guys or take the sticks out of their hands. I don't know how that has evolved or changed with Carlson in the mix or how that's the, changed with the lack the, of actually yeah. putting the puck in the back of the net. But there, like, there is an aspect of we're not really coaching so these guys, at least to some that degree. That is the only thing that I can think of that makes sense. Either there's a disconnect between the coaches, the coaching staff, it, Todd Reardon, right, would be the the one yeah, responsible for this. On the for, the for the most part, I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off yeah. again, just because I see so many people calling for. I I also hate how like sports culture is just evolving into we're going to fire whoever's responsible and for whatever's bad about at, at this. Putting a pin on this Sunday didn't help that. 
No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, but with that being said, I'm not saying Todd Reardon is or isn't responsible for or mainly responsible yeah. for what is going on with the I'm power play. I'm just saying as a coach, he is the one responsible for the power play. Well, yes, but what, I, what I'm getting at here is that while his name might be on top of that, Let's also not ignore the fact that Mike Sullivan's just sitting there and throwing his hands up and saying, I'm not involved yeah. in any way, shape, or form with the power so play. My my point in bringing that up is not to call out anyone. Right, my, right. my point is, I the only thing that makes sense to me is there's a disconnect between the coaching staff and the players and what is wanted. And if they are, so say what you said about Sullivan yet last year, say that is actually what's going on, that they're tr- not trying to overcoach. Well, you've got, Carlson that's coming in with his idea and Crosby and Malkin have their ideas and you know Gensel has his idea and and sooner or later there there's just there's too much going on and then that blows the cohesion that you brought up that that goes out out the window blows it up so I almost wonder if there needs to be like there does need to be an overcoaching with this right now like this is our system this is what we're going to do we're going to do X, Y, and Z, and we're going to do it well, and we're going to strip this down and go almost keep it simple, you know, just and just go. This is how it's going to be until we can, you know, maybe get some, you know, get some tread going, you know, g- gain some traction, and and then we'll see where it goes from there. Because that to me is the only thing that that I can like hang my hat on. It's like okay, that explains what's wrong, because with all of the skill and the type of coaches that they have, I don't think that. Sullivan or Reardon are bad coaches. I think they're both, you know, good NHL coaches. None of this makes sense. Like the 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 pet the heads together in that room should be able to put an an average power play on the on the ice. I agree with everything you said. I do not though because we genuinely don't know. Like mm-hmm. it, we, it's, it's yeah, this is all speculation. Right. Everything I said is speculation. So the one thing I do want to say is I just don't want to ignore the possibility that maybe they are being overcoached here, and that's why it looks so yeah. dysfunctional. Okay. That like that could be a possibility, but I completely agree with everything you said, and I like I fall on that side as yeah, well. But that is an option as well that this could be just right. overcoaching. Right. I, I'm not, and again and with the way the NHL culture is, we're never going to find out. They're, they're never going to say, oh yeah, this is what was wrong. When they, Whenever it does get working, and I, and I am of the opinion that it will eventually get clicking. I don't think that this is going to be like this for 82 games. Um, well, the, they're going to have to figure the power play right. out because it's shaping up like their playoff lives might depend yes. on it. And so when it does, we're not going to hear somebody say, oh, well, this is what was wrong at the beginning of the season. They're just going to, you know... Sullivan's going to give it the old stick to itness and you know we just war of attrition we just had to you know keep keep go knocking at the door until it opened I mean that that's what every NHL team says whenever something finally goes right they never are open or transparent about it so all we can do with this is is really speculate yeah and th- that's one thing just in sports in general I I can understand keeping things behind closed doors but with how how just large of a presence sports have and specifically teams and athletes have um, like how much they impact the individual, right? Like I just feel as if they're, and I'm not saying you need to be giving excruciatingly personal details, but there's so much crap, especially like the Connor Bedard mom, Corey Perry. I'm not even going to get into it, but if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about that kind of stuff. 
is completely avoidable. Yeah, and that's that's a big thing with information in sports, like you said. But going back to their playoff lives, uh, the, the power play, like you said, is going to play a big part of it. But I do think there are other things with this team right now that uh, are going to play a big factor in their playoff lives as well. What's like to you? What do you see as like the you know the most important thing right now? I, I, to me, it's goaltending. But what what you and we can get into that later, maybe. But like, what's yours? Uh, goaltending is probably <laughs> we we don't have to get into that later because like goaltending is, is a massive yeah. factor here. I, I mean, both of them either it's shut out or bust right now. Like it's, it seems to be how both of them are playing. Yeah. So one, I I still think we're in the midst of seeing like the wishy washy Jari because mm-hmm. like he he has been pretty darn bad in some of the games Ew. he's played, but he's also leading the been NHL in shutouts really and yeah, he's, he's been really good lately. Um. And Nadelkovich, like I, I remember the the episode we did sitting here talking, and I'm like throwing my hands up. I'm like, look, the dude hasn't been good lately, but he had one really good stretch of games during the COVID season. So like, if he's able to recapture that level, yeah, mm-hmm. that's gonna be awesome. And we, again, short sample here. I think Nadelkovich has four starts so far, maybe five mm-hmm. up in the NHL. I know he had um, a rehab stint down in the AHL where he scored a goal, which was pretty cool. Um, not that that matters at all, but anyway, goalie goals are always good. Yeah. Goalie goals are awesome. So, but again, this is a really small sample here. So it's encouraging that. And I think I've mentioned this specifically with Jari as well. It's encouraging that they're showing the ability to do so as we lost one of our lights. Yeah. One of the lights (laughs) died. The the other ones might go as well. So, um, they're showing the ability to do so. I don't know that it's necessarily, okay, this is what they're doing right now. This is their new baseline, what we should expect from them going forward. However, because it's goaltending and sports, you're you're going to have some up and down nature mm. regardless, um, but especially at that goaltending position. But it's all about capturing that lightning in a bottle. Mm. So they're showing the ability to do it right now over a little bit of an extended period of time. That'll play again when the postseason rolls around, and I think that is what they, sh- what the Penguins and fans, everybody should be most encouraged about, because if the power play does start to figure it out, all of a sudden you've got a, a power play that can maybe win you some games, and then all of a sudden you've got not one but two guys in the crease between the pipes that you're not worried about giving up a chance here and yeah. there. And for me, the big thing with the power play and all of this is uh, Sid, at time of recording, still leads the league in five-on-five scoring, correct? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, so if he gets going on the power play, you're not only talking about this team figuring out the playoffs, but you're talking about Sid being in the thick of the Hart Trophy conversation at 36 years old. We'd be talking about his Hart Trophy candidacy right this second if he had five more power play points and and that's earlier you brought this up earlier not to keep going back to things that you said earlier in this episode but you know at that age normally they front load the power play and back load the five on five he's doing the opposite they figure the power play out there's so many things i think so many dominoes fall off of that um another thing that i think has been uh i at least in my opinion has been better is the defensive play from some of the guys that we had talked about earlier in the season 
mainly uh, Graves. Ryan Graves has been, in my opinion, he's been better. Uh, I don't think he's he, been. He the problem with Graves. I agree. He just has like these moments where it's just like yeah. Ugh. But I I think that what we saw in the first maybe five to seven games of him, where we we both were kind of, you know, he he left a lot you know to to be desired in his game. I think he's cleaned a lot of that up, and I think he's been a lot more uh, closer to what the the team had hoped for. If he can get rid of those moments, which definitely agree with you, he's had. I think that's something that's going to be a I, big thing. For I wouldn't this team expect as well. those to go away. Like that was part his of the problem. That yeah. was part of his problem when he was with Avalanche. That was part of his problem with the Devil. So I don't think that's going anywhere. Um, however, to give him some props and something that I hadn't really given a whole lot of attention to um, leading up to the start of the season was that he's not hampering them at all, at least anywhere near to a degree that Brian Dumoulin would have offensively. Like Graves is, and and honestly, that might have been an oversight by a lot of us, mm -hmm. uh, just in the public sphere, whether it was analysts or fans or whoever, um, that part of the intrigue about getting graves is that you know he's he's not necessarily super skilled with the puck or and i know a lot of people are like oh he has this great shot i don't even think he has a great shot um but he has a decent offensive mind in the sense that he he can play he can push the puck up mm -hmm. ice a little bit like he's he's not going to look extremely out of place hmm. in like there, there would be points in time when the puck would end up on Dumoulin's stick, and you're just like, "Oh my god, last person you want the how, puck." How's he to gonna? How's he right gonna now. screw it up this time? Yeah, like and I, and again, like like I just said, Graves has his moments, but if you look at the degree to which the Penguins are generating offense when he's on the ice, it's a it's a pretty strong rate. Mm -hmm. I agree. But then you and you can even look at like the isolated impacts of that. We're still early in the season and don't have a huge sample on well, that. You know, we keep saying that, but we're what twenty one games. Well, in? specifically that yes, we're so twenty one games here, but specifically in the sense of like the uh, like the the metrics that are yeah. isolating impacts, like the RAPM and that kind but of it's stuff. Still a quarter of the season. I mean, it, it's yes, but we we do know for a fact that for that those numbers to stabilize, you could really use like three quarters to an entire season. Now, granted, I'm still paying attention to them, but I'm not. Tweeting out a 200 minute sample RABM yeah. chart and being like, "Look, my off season take was right," like so many people love to do. And honestly, I think we're just completely off the rails here at this point. But because somehow we ended up talking about Ryan Graves when we were talking about what needs to go right for this team. But well, I think Ryan Graves is part of what needs to go yeah, right. Yeah, but if I he mean, can, if you, Ryan, if he Ryan continues Graves not killing them, he'll be fine. He's a four or five. What was it? Four and a half million dollar player. Five yeah. million dollar players? No, he it's four and four point one or four. Okay, yeah, so four point six, something like that. But I mean, he's the, he's a second pairing guy. He's gonna sometimes find top pair minutes, and I think he part of what has to go right is guys like him and Pedersen need to be the shutdown defensemen that they paid them to be. Well, I I don't think Graves is gonna be ever gonna be that shutdown guy. Like, but Pedersen's still far close away. to it. I, he needs. To, I, he I needs don't to be even close know that. I don't know that that's necessarily the case because of that that well, offensive element. And but the, we're talking about goaltending. We talked about goaltending earlier. What better way to get better goaltending than see guys like Ryan Graves? Every time I say his name, I want to say Adam. <laughs> I have to stop myself from saying Adam Graves every time I say his name. Uh, but 
he the better he plays defensively, the better the, the goalies play. I agree. I'm just so I, you know, I'm like, just I saying I don't think that we're all of a sudden going to be talking about Ryan Graves being a 75th percentile defensive impact kind of guy. I don't think that's going to happen. He does make some really strong defensive plays, and he makes some really boneheaded defensive plays as well. That's just the nature uh, of the kind of player he is. He's in his, you know, he's in his late twenties now. There's not yeah. really going to be a whole lot of development left with this kind of guy. But going back to what I was saying earlier, and early in the season, we were seeing him at points in time in the offensive zone where you're like, you're out on the ice with Crosby, Rust. Malkin and Latang, you're the last guy that needs to be shooting. Stop firing the puck into shin pads. Um, <laughs> but the first goal of the season, uh, his first goal of the season was actually a really nice display of anticipation where mm-hmm. uh, it was against the Golden Knights. The Knights defensive uh, coverage was all out of whack and kind of jumbled. He noticed an opportunity to shrink the zone came down to the tops of the circles or right below the tops of the circles and a loose puck popped right to him and he put it in the back of the net. So that element, like I don't see think that was necessarily the kind of goal we'd see Brian Dumoulin score. And yeah, he's, yeah. he's certainly not having these massive like floundering moments behind his own net that we would see yeah. with Dumoulin last year. So that automatically is an upgrade in and of itself and has a has a ripple effect across the, so, across the board. I would agree with the last couple minutes that we have in this episode, gun to your head, power play, not an option. What is the one thing that needs to improve for this team to be in the playoffs in April? Power play is not an option. Goaltending is not an option either. Cause either, cause that's too easy of an answer. We, and we just talked about it. The easy answer is the bottom six. Okay. I still think they really need, and don't get me wrong, like the third line when it was intact with O'Connor, Eller, and Zahorna, and I know everything's kind of been jumbled with Raquel and and Russ being out. um, That line was getting it done, not only just by, oh, they're they're XG gods, they're XG gods, they're Corsi gods. No, they were they were scoring goals at yeah, a good They, a, they a were contributing rate. to the team. They were contributing. I don't know if that will last whenever they are reunited. I don't know if that will last for the duration of the season. I still think that they need... The, I don't even care if it's a dude who is a drag on possession. They need like a bona fide finisher. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I'm not talking about going out and getting a star player, but they I mean, need... like Phil Kessel. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> Don't get me started, man. Um, Can't take Patrick Kane anymore. He just signed with the Red Wings today. Well, I'm not talking about him either. <laughs> Can't do it. Um, but yeah, they... Corey they... Perry might went out of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> they, the Penguins need... Another score somewhere trickled throughout their lineup, and I think that's the easy answer. What do you think the chances are Jeff Carter getting his scoring touchback? No, I'm, kidding. No. I'm kidding this time. We almost made it an episode without bringing him. <laughs> I, up, I ha- it's it's look. This is the 11th episode, the Darius Casparitis episode. I couldn't go the entire time without mentioning mentioning his name once. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, I I would probably say improvement from the bottom six. And I, I know the fourth line has had some mm-hmm. some good games of late because um, Achari scored multiple goals, big time. But again, I I don't think he's a long term fit at center. Maybe mm-hmm. they're just not concerned about that line at all. But if you're looking and talking about 
cup contending teams, they don't have to worry about, oh, that's not a line that we want out there in any particular situation. Yeah. Now, granted, you want to optimize deployment and all that, but you don't necessarily want to have to worry about having to over-optimize in-game management. So, last thing, two-part question, quick answer. Rapid fire. Yeah, I'm not good at these games. So okay, let's, well, let's rapid fire. So, <laughs> where they need to be at the deadline to be buyers? Preferably in a playoff spot. Do they get there? Yes. They're in a playoff spot by the deadline? Yes. What do they add? Because they in, don't have a ton of space. As in who? Well, no, because there's really no way to know. What do they is. add? I, do I you, don't know. Do you think they add that finisher, or do you think they go a different route? I think it's too early to tell because we don't know what's going on with Raquel yet. Is he going to be back? Because long term sometimes means three weeks, sometimes it, and sometimes it means two months. Yeah. So is Raquel, and granted, he's on long-term injured reserve, so he's still within that window where he can't be activated. Um, now, but is he going to be out for another? If he is out long-term, and we're talking like long-term, long-term, are we talking about, you know, that's cap space that we're, you know, that they save as well. So that opens up a whole new ball game worth of players and options. But Right, but it, it won't be of significance to the point because – Unless you're banking on Raquel yeah. being out until the start of the playoffs, like his his five million dollar cap hit does the old matter. Lightning trick, yeah, the old the old Kucherov yeah. maneuver. <laughs> um, so unless they're bank, unless they're certain, sure certain, unless they're certain that they're that he's going to be out until the playoffs. Don't give me that look. I, you, Listen, well, I've just, I've been I, just I'm going to remind you of I've how you started this episode. I've been just as bad. Listen, I heard one of our cameras ding. So sounds like uh, we're I think we're wrapping this up. Um yeah, I don't I got nothing. You got anything else? We just Look, lost another we, light. We just too. lost another light. We're having a phenomenal <laughs> return from break episode. Listen, the the sculpture for those of you that are is not still watching, up. the sculpture still is still up. It does look a little Listen, sweaty. I've been recording video since 9 a.m. today. That's why the lights are dying. That's why the cameras are dying. That's why I'm dying as I knock over my microphone. For Danny Shirey, I'm Eddie Provident. This has been one of the most different episodes of the <laughs> Breakdowns and Breakaways podcast. We'll see you next week. <laughs>